Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to foresightchurch.co.za. You can have rock-solid vision. Perform this exercise with me. Put your hands together. Close them down. Now raise them up and look at me. Focus on my face through that specific little window. Now I want you to close one eye first. Do you still see my face? If you do, that means the eye that is open is your dominant eye. If you do not see my face, you will see something totally different. And obviously that means that the other eye is then your dominant eye. And you will have to adjust to see. Keep your hands still, try that. Maybe play with that while, while we're talking. There is a dominant eye. You have the ability to see better with one eye than with another, and your body will adjust accordingly. Today, I want to talk about having rock-solid vision. Where you look is where you live. My name is Chris, and it is my privilege to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. Let us pray. Father, as we focus and meditate on your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make the image, the presence, the power of Jesus Christ so manifest in us today that we would assuredly know where our focus is, may our focus be firmly on Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. I'm going to read to you from a shocking portion of Scripture. It starts in verse 4, Jeremiah 17 verse 4. I'm going to nip it there and then we'll carry on to verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Through your own fault, you will lose the inheritance I gave you. It is possible to lose out on what God has got for your, for your life. And he says here, it is through your own fault. Where you look is where you live. Let's read verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from the flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands, like a heath. Pliny says that that specific word is a bush that has no fruit and it has no seeds. It's like a useless thing, nothing of, of no use and is not even useful for ceremonial uses. Not not welcome in the temple. He says that person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. So the first person we have is someone who is trusting. He's strong in his own strength. He's strong in his own mind, in his own conscience. This is a self-assured person. The Bible says that guy is cursed. So much so that he won't even understand that he's barren and dry. And, and he's so, so much 
deceived that he doesn't even know that when blessing comes his way, he won't be able to see it. Now, I don't know about you, but I, driving at night, have sometimes, especially when I'm tired, I've sometimes found myself on the long open road tracking towards the oncoming lights. I have to physically focus to turn my steering wheel to stay in my lane that I don't hit the oncoming traffic. And it's been proven, this is a scientific reality and it's verifiable, that most head-on collisions happen at night. And the reason for that is that people focus on the light that is coming towards them. And you track to what you focus on. Now Jesus warns us about that. He says, if that light is in you, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, or the old translation says, full of light, your body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy or full of darkness, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then he says, and if that darkness in you, if the light in you is actually darkness, how great is that darkness? And so he's saying that the greatest deception is self-deception. What we focus on, we become. What we fixate on, we model. And so our lives become a representation of the things that fill our lives. We model that which we take in through our eyes. And Jesus says, be careful of where you look. That's where you're going to live. So cursed is the one who trusts in strength. Right? He's looking to his own right hand. That's what the Bible says. Verse 7. This is the good news. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be planted by the water. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. That sounds so much to me like Psalm chapter 1. We'll get there just now. The heart is deceitful. This is key. Verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. Now, if you've got a pen with you, I want to encourage you to look through this portion of scripture and circle heart. You're going to find it at least three times. You're going to find it in verse 5. It says, cursed is the one who trusts in, in man who draws his strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Right? Then it comes again, and it says here in, uh, where did I put it? Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And then verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. So the heart seems to be the dominant theme in the difference between a guy who lives in the desert and misses the blessing of God. He misses prosperity when it comes. Or a guy who lives in the blessing and he misses the heat when the heat comes. And the key motivating factor is where is your heart? What is your heart focusing on? 
Now, the Bible tells us that the flesh, and, and, and I had a look at this in the, in the Hebrew, the, the original text, and it says the heart there is, is um, okay, we know that it's the will, the mind, and the emotions, that's the soul, and plus the aspect of conscience, that is a factor the will, the mind, the emotions, and the conscience is the biblical definition, basically, of what a heart is. But the Hebrew of flesh there is Adam. So it will say here, cursed is the one who trusts in the strength of man or Adam. Why would somebody trust in the strength of Adam or the strength of man? Well, the flesh in the Bible basically talks about a few things. It talks about Four things that I can find. Number one, the natural descent. We trust in our lineage. Now, uh, we have a family and there was apparently a guy in our lineage somewhere along the line who was an Uncle Humphrey. And Uncle Humphrey was a priest. And people would say, well, they've got a relationship with God because Uncle Humphrey was a priest. Okay, now I never met him. He lived many years before me. But the Jews did the same thing. When Jesus came to earth, they said, we have Abraham as our father. And Jesus said, do not say you have Abraham as your father. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling yourself. doesn't matter what house you were raised in and how spiritual your parents were or your grandparents were or how what their relationship with God was. You have to have your own relationship with God. So number one, natural descent does not prove anything. Number two, some people rely in, in their own abilities. Cursed is the man who trusts in the strength of Adam, okay, who looks to his own right arm to save him. Listen, Burmakaplan, the Bible teaches us that's not really a cool thing to bank on. The fact that we can make our own plans. No, that's negated by Jesus. Actually, you see, Jesus came to save us from ourselves and from our own good intentions. He says, our goodness is as filthy rags before him. Our best attempt just so, falls so far short of the glory of God and of the plan that God has for us. Number three, the law. Some of us feel that if we are better than others, we kind of knock them off the ladder towards heaven. We, we kind of ascend ahead of them. And so Jesus had this problem with the Pharisees. They, they looked down on others because they felt that they'd achieved more. They were better. They were better qualified. They were better educated. They were wealthier. They knew the, the Bible better. And, and they just felt that that was their claim to fame. And Jesus said, not a chance. Your own righteousness is like filthy rags. All right, and then number four, our heart. You see, our heart, our will, our mind, our emotions, and our consciences lie to us. Man, I tell you something. When I was a teenager, I thought I was in love with a multitude of different ladies. Truth is, our heart lies to us. You've heard the saying, the heart wants what it wants. Yes, it does. But we can't be led by our hearts. Our heart is desperately wicked, the Bible tells us. And who can know it? The Septuagint of that, so the, the, um, the Greek translation that the New Testament writers would have been using at the time, that, that was translated from Hebrew into Greek so that they could use it in the time of Jesus. And, and that word, it says, it says the heart is unfathomable that that word is a deep bottomless pit or it is an abyss now we know in in, in revelation 18 there's going to be 
evil demons released from the abyss. Basically, the Bible says that your heart is desperately wicked. It contains all sorts of demonic influences. Jesus said, remember, he said, it's not what a man takes into his body, puts into his body that defiles him. It's what comes out because what what comes out of your mouth is actually what your heart is full of. And our hearts are wicked. Now, friends, I want to clear this up. Doesn't matter how good your intentions are. Your intentions are always based on what you can get. They, they are selfish. Our good intentions are always, always selfish in some way. Unless they're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. John chapter 6 verse 63. Listen to this. Jesus says this. He says, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. My friends, if you trust in the arm of the strength of, of the flesh, your strength is worthless. Jesus says it counts for nothing. The spirit gives life. Nothing else gives life. You can't determine your whole life at all. Now, the war that we face, the flesh against the spirit, is a real thing. That fleshly desire, our nature, our, our, our need for control, our need to be right. Our need to be better than others, our need to, in a sense, grow and become a self-actualized human being on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, basically, that is at war with the spirit. Now, the book of Galatians goes into deep, expansive lengths to explain how wicked and how adulterous our fleshly na nature is, our fleshly man is. And part of that is our heart. And there is a war of flesh against spirit. Philippians 3 verse 3, listen to this. It says, for it is we who are of the circumcision. So not outward religious actions. We who serve God by his spirit. We are actually of the nation of Israel. Who boast in Christ Jesus and who place, listen to this, no confidence in the flesh. That's who we are. We, we serve God by His Spirit. We place no confidence in the flesh. We serve God through Jesus Christ, through His Spirit. Here's the good news. But blessed are you. Friends, I've given you ample illustrations to say actually that, that where you look is, is where you live. And if your eye is on the light, you can, you can get blinded by that light if it's, a, if it's a false light. There's so many deceptions in the world at the moment. And uh, you can pretty much use this illustration. I think I've got a mask in here. Here we go. But you know, we are so fixated at the moment by the coronavirus that, that, that it goes over our eyes. It's, it's not over our mouths. We are blinded by a pandemic. And rather than putting the mask in the appropriate place, we, we, we walk around in darkness because we allow something that happens to us. Remember the Bible says the blessed man in adversity, he, he lives in blessing. And when heat comes, where trouble comes, he will not even notice it. Why? Because his focus is on eternity. His focus is on what Jesus is doing, not what the Antichrist is doing, not what the world is doing. Friends, by the way, 
the, the revelation, the book of Revelation is not to tell us who the Antichrist is. The book of Revelation is a revelation of who Jesus is. In spite of the storms that are coming, the sovereignty of God prevails. The beginning of the book is a revelation of Jesus. The end of the book is a revelation of Jesus coming in his majesty to crush this world, the flesh, all evil intentions, and to bring about his goodness and his righteousness and his justice. But blessed are you when what? It says blessed are you when you trust in the Lord, when your confidence is in him. You will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries. In a year of drought, never fails to bear fruit. Friends, heat comes and drought comes. Did you hear that? Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to the children of God. But how we weather the storm is different. You must remember that, that the one who turns his heart away from God, he's like a weed in the desert. Right? He shrivels. He's like, uh, I had a translation that said he's like a tumbleweed. He's He's totally, totally uh, um, worthless, right? And and he's vulnerable. He's in the salt desert, a parched place. He's vulnerable. The man who trusts in God is planted like, not like a weed, like a tree. The antithesis is big. The, the righteous man is a tree. He's planted with his roots in the word of God. He's planted with his roots in the water of life. And, and he's sucking up that life. He's living off that life. He's Leaf doesn't wither, and his fruit does not fail, even when there is drought. How cool is that? He never fails to bear fruit. So my question is, where is your heart focused? If, if your heart turns away from God, you're in trouble. If your heart turns towards God, you live in the blessing of God. How cool is that? Right. I'm going to repeat a statement from just now. The greatest deception is self-deception. Our heart tells us we're cool. Our heart tells us we're great. Our heart tells us we're wonderful. Our heart tells us we're doing the best we can do. But we need to listen to the spirit and not our own heart. We need to align ourselves. So back to the headlight illustration. When the headlight is coming towards us, we focus on that. We fixate on that and we hit it. If we're not focused on the road we need to be traveling on, which sometimes is darkened. Now, when I preach mostly at church, there are these floodlights that hit me from the front. You can see me very nicely, but I can't see you. There's a reason I get blinded by that. Now, there's an amazing ability that cats have, by the way. They have different uh, cones in their eyes. And cats can see through light into darkness, which is an amazing thing. Uh, um, they, they, they aren't blinded by lights. It's an amazing, amazing, their eyes can adjust. But we are not of those who can adjust. We need to focus on one thing and get that one thing right. Now, one of the blind lights that come towards us, the blinding lights that come towards us is the price. I want to say something here, and that is this. The price and the prize are not the same. You cannot focus on both the prize and the price. Why is that? Well, the price is the cost that it takes. So, for example, in fasting, yes, it is laborious. Yes, it is uncomfortable. Yes, it is debilitating. Yes, it is frustrating. Yes, it brings out the worst in you. That's the price. 
But the price and the prize, we cannot even compare with himself, with, with, with each other, right? The prize is given. It's a reward. The prize is the destination. The prize is the, 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 the blessing of God. The price is the flesh groaning at you. So I know for a lot of people, this is a big thing. It's a maturity thing, I think, where, where the price, the glare of the price outweighs the prize. The, the, the light is so much brighter. The false light that comes from the suffering is so much brighter than the glory that will be revealed in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says. It says this. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. It talks about cut off sin and everything that entangles and run the race with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the creator, and the perfecter of our faith. Who? Jesus. For the joy set before him, who was us, right? Jesus on the cross saw us. He saw our future. He saw our blessing. He saw us living in freedom. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross. Why? Because he was looking forward to you and to me. He endured the cross. He scorned the shame. That means he threw off the shame. He disregarded the shame that was on him. Stripped naked, beaten, spat on, his beard ripped out, a mockery made of his crown. Hatred spewed against He scorned it. He threw it off. He disregarded it. He endured the cross. He scorned the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And then verse 3 says, Consider him who endured such suffering so that you might not lose heart. What does this year have in store for us? Well, friends, this year teaches us to focus on Jesus and not the storms that are coming. Storms, there will always be storms. There will always be adversity. But when our focus is on Jesus, we will be prosperous. We will be planted in the water. We will bear fruit. Our leaves will not fail. In the heat, in the drought, we will be rooted in Christ if our focus is in Him. So turn your heart towards God. Turn your heart towards him who loves you. And we love him because he loved us first. Receive the love of Jesus over your life. Receive the love of the Father. And you will live a victorious life. Let him take that heart of stone and change that to a heart of flesh. Become tender in his presence. Allow him to soak you even now as I'm preaching. And as we pray, allow the Holy Spirit to soak into the inner chambers of your heart. And to change your innermost being. To be like him. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can change our hearts. Not by ourselves. But you, Lord, can change. You paid the price. So that we could win the prize. Thank you that the price and the prize are so different. Lord Jesus, mentor us, disciple us, show us by your spirit how we can follow in your footsteps. So much so that the prize would be so glaringly obvious that we would not be distracted by the headlights that are coming against us in Jesus' name. May we be focused on the end result, on the end destination and not on the distractions. 
Jesus, help us to focus on you, fixing our eyes on Christ, the creator and the sustainer and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for your example, Jesus. We pray right now that you would change our hearts and change our lives. Help us, Holy Spirit, to fix our eyes on the risen, exalted, glorious, victorious Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. Friends, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you, all you need to do is repent of your sins. That means turn back from your sins. Confess to God that you are a sinner and that you need him. Confess to Jesus that you want to walk in his blessing and his favor and his prosperity. And welcome the Holy Spirit into your life. The Bible tells us that if you do that, that's a process of being born again. You receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and he will come in. So all you do is you pray with me, Lord, here I am. I know I cannot make it on my own. I've trusted my flesh. I've trusted my heart. Please, would you change my flesh? Change my heart. Help me to follow you. I want to die to my old self. I want to die to my successes. I want to die to my failures. I want to be born again. So fill me with your spirit, Lord, and make me a child of God in Jesus' name. Amen. If you took that decision today, please connect with us on Facebook, the Foresight Connect page. Connect with us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to interact with you. There are people waiting to chat to you right now. We would love to disciple you into the fullness of life. God bless you, my friends.